You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Another episode of Find the Call is here. Today's episode features a conversation with Trevor of the band Sundrust. Sundrust recently released Home Remedy via Brood Records, their most collaborative record to date with a solidified lineup and a sound to go along with it. Our chat hits on the album, finding the right producer and label, connecting with fans during the pandemic, and a whole lot more. How does it feel to have the album out now? It feels really, really good. Um, it was something that we just, its it took a long time to make and a long time to make happen. And there were times that we felt like we wouldn't maybe get to this point. So like, despite like the whole world shutting down and music and touring not being a thing, we still managed to finally get the record out. So it's a, it's a good feeling. And I feel like it's the first time we've had like any kind of audience like anticipating a release so that was kind of fun to actually like see people excited for it as the singles were coming out so it's definitely been a a beacon of light in these dark times for the band for sure i feel like i've seen um you kind of like being more interactive with your and creative with your twitch stuff than a lot of the other bands that i've seen doing stuff um can you tell me a little bit about you know kind of some of the stuff you've been doing and how those ideas came together yeah totally um I'm definitely lucky in the sense that I have a good friend who's like, he does a lot of his own Twitch streaming and he's very experienced in, in in like producing like high quality content through Twitch. And he was able to kind of produce and steer us the right way. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to, especially for the month that the record was coming out, I wanted to like do do some like different shows just to, just to keep people coming back because I had, like I found myself like looking at some other band's live streams and when it was just like one guy with a guitar, like it it was cool, you know, but I'd I'd find myself getting bored after a while, you know. I suppose that could totally depend on the artist because I could listen to Phoebe Bridgers play guitar and sing for hours on end. <laughs> well you said you said a guy with a guitar, so <laughs> oh, <fair. laughs> Um but yeah, so like I just thought it'd be cool to make the episodes themed and work on some like pre-recorded content that we could like cut into. So it was almost like it was me on the screen with a guitar, but I was kind of narrating it and having like extra stuff to show in between just to like, and when we, when we'd like, like one thing we did is we did one that was like the history of the band. And uh, we had all the band members hop on a zoom call prior to this Twitch and, um, we recorded us basically reacting to all the super old songs and music videos. 
and then edit it together into like a little 10 minute video. So it's kind of a cool thing to, to share. And then while that's going on, we can like get in on the comment section on Twitch and stuff and interact a little more. So all that stuff is, it's, I guess I'm, I'm happy to be getting to do it. And it's something that I'll think that we'll continue doing even once we can tour again, you know? So that's one cool thing. We also have a discord server. Oh, nice. I, I didn't know about that. <laughs> How's that? Uh, how did that kind of come together? Um, it was actually on a couple of our Twitch streams. Um, people were just suggesting it. And I've never been a, a gamer and I wasn't really familiar with the platform. But um, again, my friend Andy helped explain and set it up for us. And it, it's such a cool th way to like, you know, I, th I think we only have like 30 or so members on it. But it's those 30 people are the ones that like, really love the band you know so to to give them that kind of extra like it's just like a cool place you can go hang out and it doesn't have to be some official thing and you know it's we're enjoying it for sure mm -hmm. yeah and i mean how has it kind of been like you know kind of like breaking down those barriers between the band and the fans is that something that's kind of always been you know a goal for you or is that kind of something that's kind of you know, come more out of necessity for trying to find new ways to promote uh, during this pandemic? Um, I, I would say it's always been a goal to just connect with fans as much as possible. Um, it was hard for me at first because I, I have a lot of anxiety and social anxiety. And But I found when, like about like a year or two ago, I decided to start just being a little bit more open on stage with like what I've been through and kind of just letting people know my struggles and that I'm a person because you never know who that might help, you know? And, um, we found that to kind of like just engage a lot more thoughtful conversations after the show and like really just like basically as an artist now, if you have fans, you're kind of almost expected to give them a, like a inside look at your life with social media now. And so to be able to connect with people on things that mean a lot to me have, I feel like it's, it's grown our, maybe not given us a bigger fan base, but it's made the fan base that we have a lot stronger. For sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've seen you kind of like talk about how, you know, a big, how like destigmatizing like mental health issues and sharing your experiences in order to help, you know, kind of others realize that they're not alone in what they're feeling. Um, how that was kind of like a goal for this album. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that and about that kind of like change that you mentioned in, in the mindset? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like, like my songwriting's always been really autobiographical and, um, the first record I was, I feel like I was, you know, I had overcome a lot. I've, uh, I, I, I used to be addicted to heroin and I've been clean for 11 years now. And that was a big part of me, like writing songs to begin with it was a very big coping mechanism and kind of my therapy and then you know years later i um started to finally get a grip on my mental health and get some stuff with that so that's kind of what was going on when i was when i was writing these songs and um i feel like the first record was more kind of just identifying the problems and letting and like saying you know like hopefully letting people know that they're not alone but this one was kind of more about like finding those little kind of not necessarily fixes but those little solutions those little things things in life that like make up for all the crappy stuff you know what i mean um that that was kind of like going into the idea i had and then we thought i 
thought of the symbolism of like a home remedy with you know so many people not being able to get their own get health care and the internet being readily available so many people like self-diagnose and try to find certain home remedies to take care of this or that and i i just thought that was really interesting and kind of like a, a symbol because we've we find so many different ways to cope for sure yeah and i mean i i, re- I saw that you know home remedy was kind of one of the, was one of the last songs written for the album and kind of I, I really like the way it kind of ties up a lot of the themes on the album and you know it also calls back to some of the previous sundress stuff could you tell me a little bit about that one came together yeah um it was actually the last song i wrote for the album and um it was a few weeks before recording and we didn't really have a name for the album but i knew there was kind of a theme behind it and like so i just kind of had in the back of my head that i needed to write a song that kind of like wrapped everything up and it's really hard for me to just sit down and do that but when it's meant to happen it does and um yeah, I was just sitting in my apartment and I came up with like that the first line which I thought was like a little cheesy but like so like like kind of funny but also real and sentimental and I it just felt like like us, you know? <laughs> and um so it it really just started with that line and I already already had referenced like home remedies and other songs, so it's easy to kind of call back to that and I started actually thinking about it as being the first track and I've always loved when artists call back to their previous work. Like, uh, I'm a huge Bright Eyes fan. And in the, I guess the, the Bright Eyes record just came out, but the one before that, he like referenced all of his, basically described the album art of each previous record in one line. And it just like, I just love little trinkets like that. I'm, I'm a huge music fan, obviously. That's why I do it. So, um, so yeah, I was very happy that it came together. It, it kind of made it feel like like all the delays in making recording happen and stuff were for a reason so I could write that song. You mentioned Bright Eyes, and I've seen you say before how you kind of, you feel like you learned more about uh, like your writing style from like singer-songwriters than, you know, like more like punk bands similar to what Sundress is, especially like with your focus on lyrics and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that influence and like how how your writing process has developed? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess when I first started writing, I was just really into I didn't really start playing guitar until I was uh, like around 20 years old. And I got sober when I was 22. And that's when I really started writing. But um, I was really into Bright Eyes when I heard him and when I was 17, I think. And it was just like, it was such a new genre to me in the sense that like I was feeling what he was saying so hard and I always loved writing lyrics, but I never thought I could be a good singer. And like early Bright Eyes stuff, he is not conventionally a good singer at all. So that was, it was kind of like, it kind of gave me this realization that you don't have to be like an amazing singer. You just have to have something to say. So I, I was just really into Bright Eyes and Elliot Smith, Pedro the Lion, David Bazan, Margot and the Nuclear So-and-So, stuff like that, when I was learning how to write songs. So I I really kind of learned from more of a folk format. And um, as far, But I also grew up loving Saves the Day, New Found Glory, All Time Low, all, all those bands. So when it started to become a full band, I was just kind of, as far as a full band goes, I guess I was more influenced by that sound. And I was kind of inspired to try to kind of keep this 
initial songwriting, but kind of let my friends who are great at music turn it into the into sundress songs, basically. Yeah, I mean, has that been kind of like challenging balancing those two sides of things? Um, I not really. No, um, I I feel like I've just kind of naturally. I definitely got way back into this music, like with the surge of like the emo revival and stuff like that, and so many new bands coming out. So I feel like it's a lot of what I've been listening to and it's always kind of naturally, naturally come out how it does based on, you know, who I've had play with me over the years and it now being more of like a full band effort in the studio. It's, it's pretty natural where, where I just kind of write an acoustic song and I send it over to our guitar player, AJ, who's just this amazing instrumentalist and he'll kind of build out like a full band demo. So then we can all start working on it from there, which it's a really cool experience. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you kind of talk about how this was kind of the the most collaborative, uh, you know, out release um, for the band so far. How has that kind of, how did that process kind of change for you and how did it kind of come together for you? Um, yeah. So like kind of when I first started the band, you know, I, I had a lot of the same members for a long time, but it was very much like, like my songwriting project and I kind of had people play with me. And then, um, when we started touring, um, I started to kind of lots of people come and go when you start touring because it, it's hard and you're broke and <laughs> all that fun stuff, you know, but, um, over the course of touring our first record, we kind of just solidified a lineup and, um, I basically ended up just surrounding myself with musicians that I'm fans of and I get to play with them. Um, so it was pretty. It was pretty natural to want to have their creative input on the record, and uh, so when it came time, we ended up like shopping around for producers a little bit, and um, and we met Mike Pepe, who ended up doing the record, and he pretty much became another bandmate. He's just incredible, dude, and it was it was just the perfect perfect fit for kind of a the new sound and like a new so many new creative minds on the project so yeah it it definitely feels like the most sundressed record we've ever made but it kind of had to get to this point to figure out for us to figure out what sundress was (laughs) yeah no that totally makes sense like i feel like I, I like literally in my notes I have, you know, this is in some ways like a more concise sound that feels like what you've been working towards all along. What was kind of like the mindset going into that, um, like towards the new sound, how did it kind of de- develop? And w- was there any sort of like anxiety around kind of like th- bringing forth this new era of the band that was kind of, you know, you've said this is kind of the, the most honest and authentic record yet. Yeah, definitely. So um, um, how do I put this? So, the first producer I worked with, who I learned so much from, um, he was—he definitely had more of like a polished pop sound, which which I personally enjoy. Um, but it started to feel like as we got older that that super polished sound didn't quite fit with like the songs that I was writing, and it was almost like like a, a lyric that really mattered to me might go over someone's head just because it's just like buried in a bunch of harmonies and autotune and it sounds perfect you know what I mean so a big thing going in was that we and we did have a little bit of like um you know we'd occasionally have people tell me like I wish your record sounded more like you guys do live because we have a super energetic live show and it 
you know, when you listen to some of our old stuff, it's hard to picture like crowd surfing and stage diving to the music, but you know, in in the small venues and basements we were playing. So we kind of wanted to, we wanted a little bit more of a raw sound, but we didn't want to sacrifice quality, which is a very tough thing to kind of wrangle because we didn't want it to all of a sudden be like, oh my God, there's like no tuning on his voice and he sings like shit, you know what I mean? Um, but it, it did, the goal was to make it sound more honest and, um, and I really think we did that and I think we were a lot more creative with guitars than we have been in the past, which was really, I have to give all the credit to AJ on that one. He's just an incredible musician. So it was cool to let him just kind of like, here's my words and my melodies and like, like go to town on this, you know? Um, yeah, and I mean, I've seen you um, reference the song The Facts being kind of like the most ambitious song, Sundra song so far musically. Um, what is it about that one that kind of like, you know, got you excited? So the one, the way that one happened, that was pretty much the one where like, like, I guess one thing uh, was that AJ is kind of like, he's kind of a math rock guy. Like um, he plays bass in the band Weatherbox, which is one of our favorite bands. And um, this was the one where we were kind of just like, you can like really be yourself on this one. You know what I mean? And um, I had originally written a song in like a simple kind of three, four pattern. And he ended up transposing the first half of each verse to be in five, four time, which was like we've never done any kind of weird tempo or anything like that so that was incredibly hard for me just to figure out how he's like your melody fits over it you just have to like start on this offbeat and like my brain doesn't understand that kind of stuff very well so it was it was a lot of trial and error just to like record it correctly and then um the the bridge actually has a key change in it which is another very ballsy thing for a emo band to try to do and pull it off successfully and make it feel like it's not forced and um and it just kind of happened like with just messing around when I was when I was writing it so yeah between the time signatures and the key change and all that um it was just definitely the the wildest thing we had ever done nice yeah it, it did you end up getting like the hang of it like is this gonna is it gonna end up being like a live song or is it will be kind of be, you know, an album track <laughs> yeah i definitely it's just one of those ones that i just had to just listen to it a bunch to get it because um i i just i'm i they always say that like our drummer vic says i'm like the heart of the project and aj is like the brains because i'm like kind of just like vomit over acoustic guitar arrangements and then aj tightens it up for me <laughs> so yeah it's 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 something more that like i just have to listen to it a bunch of times instead of him telling me to start on this specific beat you know what I mean? for sure yeah it's funny um I, I remember dan campbell from the wonder years he's mentioned before how he has like a really hard time with rhythm which is always so interesting to me because like their drummer is like one of my favorite drummers of all time and like he, he does some really cool stuff and it's just like it's interesting to me how those pieces like don't necessarily always fit together. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I mean, I, I kind of wanted to hear a little bit about um, 
the relationship with Rude Records and, you know, how it kind of started and what, what's it been like, you know, working with a European label as a U.S. band? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, hooking up with them was, was fairly random. It was just, we, we finally had the masters of the record and we had been talking to a few labels, but nothing concrete. We were getting a lot of like maybe kind of emails, you know, and, um, we had toured with this band called Sunsleeper last year and become good friends with them. And I, I reached out to Jeff, their singer, to ask like how, because they had put a record on out on Rude, and he just had nothing but good things to say. And I don't remember if he just gave me the contact or if he sent our record over, but somehow they got the record and they quickly wrote back and loved it. And we started talking from there and it ended up just being really smooth. I was kind of worried about you know, cause obviously they kill it in Europe, but, um, you know, they're not here. And like, I'm like, what is it going to be like trying to set up phone calls with a label that's like 12 hours ahead of you, you know? And like, but they have just been nothing but like on their shit, supportive, like listening to our ideas. And it, it's just, honestly, it just feels like we finally have a home. Like we're going to be doing a couple records with them in the contract, which is the first time we've done that. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm just blown away by the reach that they have gotten us um, by, you know, we've never really had any kind of PR overseas and they've got us like in rotation in Australia and the UK and Europe and all this stuff. And it's, it's wild. Like it's definitely, they say that you want to sign with a label that can do more than you can do for yourself. And this is definitely our biggest experience with that for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's probably a good thing that you're getting, uh, you know, building up that fan base in places that are dealing with COVID a little bit better than we are here too. Our manager is saying we're we're probably like chances are we'll play in the UK before we play here again. <laughs> like, I'm just happy to play anywhere. Like, put me on a stage somewhere, please. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and I mean, I know you guys have a full band live stream coming up as well. What are your feelings on that? How are you, uh, how did that kind of come together? I'm excited about it. It was kind of like we were going to build up with the Twitch streams we had been doing, and this would be the big like release show one. And we were actually going to do it a couple weeks ago in our, and AJ fractured his wrist trying to skateboard. So we had to postpone it a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to be doing full band and we, we have like a, couple little little skits planned and um i was like how can we make this as much of an actual show as possible and one idea was i thought we could do like a merch drop that night and then give a code to everyone who's you know just verbally say the code on twitch so it's almost like people are going to the show and then going to the merch table after except all from their living room sure yeah that's that's actually i haven't seen any bands do that i don't think that's i like that idea (laughs) yeah and um, we also are gonna have um we got our own vinyl variant like 100 copies that from the label that we would normally sell on tour but since we can't do that we're gonna be putting those in our store as well and we're gonna assign all of them how are you feeling about you know playing these songs live finally (laughs) i'm definitely super excited uh definitely nervous to do the facts um but we've been we've been practicing as much as we can and um we it'll be cool because we're we're renting out um 
like our our home venue here in Phoenix where we probably would have done a release show and so it's cool that we'll get to support them a little bit and you know kind of get to hopefully safely have a little celebration for this record that we work so hard on so we're, we're I'm excited just to just to get to sing loud even if it's you know over stream <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah and i mean one of my favorite songs on the album is uh, your frequency kind of you know about the, the side gig and the grinding mentality and you know the kind of toll that sometimes takes on your personal lives and I'm curious to hear a little bit about that song and also whether, you know, has this year been an opportunity for you to kind of like slow things down or has it kind of had more of the opposite effect? That's a good question. Um, so your frequency kind of came about, um, I was, I was trying to write something. I wanted more, more upbeat songs. And, um, at the time I was working two jobs and it was just, I was so miserable doing it. Like I was, working at a hotel and I was cleaning pools and then I actually three jobs. Cause I had like a little, little internet customer service thing I would do. And it just like realized how difficult it was to like find time to just like enjoy life and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it just kind of like, just kind of came together pretty quick when I started just like imagining my, like what I go through every day. <laughs> it was just kind of like listing that. And um and it was it was a really fun one. It was actually originally that was one of the ones that we had to like rein AJ back on the the riffs a little bit because I was just getting like getting a little too much to like the point where it's like, hey, this is like it's still a pop song, you know? <laughs> like, let's focus on the chorus. But um, yeah, it's ended up being one of the one of the most fun ones. We've been having fun playing that one at practice. I think it'll be a a really fun one for the for the upcoming tours when it really happened oh and then as far as being busy um so i actually i took this job cleaning pools like last winter and i figured by summer i'd be on tour all the time and i and that's when it gets hard um but obviously this summer didn't happen that way so i ended up taking on the pool job full time and it was it has been like the most physically demanding job i've ever had so I've been absolutely exhausted between that and like um, definitely took a lot of extra work to to get this album out and do the videos because we ended up having to do a lot of like kind of DIY, get really creative to make cool videos just because we, you know, we couldn't go out and, you know, shoot the, the crowd videos or, you know, we had to think of ways to make videos with no people, which is how the Your Frequency video came up. I was like, how can we make it like, funny and about being busy without it like without having any people in it i was like oh we just like make it like a show on tour that in a city we've never played on we just make it where none of you, no one shows up to the show <laughs> a little too real a little too real <laughs> i know i was i was pretty happy with that one <laughs> yeah and i mean you've mentioned a couple times how there's been kind of like some obstacles in the way of like, you know, getting the album together, getting it ready and finally getting it out. You know, do you have any kind of like advice or tips for some of the bands that are kind of going through some similar stuff? Yeah, definitely. I would, I always say like, don't, don't take the easy way, especially with recordings. Like this is something that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And like, it might be cheaper to record it with so-and-so. And I, I don't even, I don't, knock home recordings at all like i think some people are great at it but if you aren't 
take the time um, because it's always worth it. Like there were definitely ways, times that we could have made this record for cheaper or w with someone else. But, but when you know you're with the right producer, I'd, I'd say just, just go for it. And I, I've always thought that if you have good songs, like it'll, it'll eventually work out if you, if you really love what you do. Um, so yeah, in the whole, like, we ended up having to finance the whole record ourselves with some help from fans, but um, basically we, we had a label that was going to fund it, and then the label ended up kind of falling apart, and we had already met this Mike and knew we had to make it with him, but we basically had to spend a year touring and saving money so we could make it. So if you feel strongly about something with your art, just just make it work. You mentioned how, you know, Mike kind of ended up being like an extra member of the band. I'm curious, um, can you tell me a little bit more about that relationship and also, you know, how you went about finding him? Yeah, so um, we met him because our our label and management at the time sent us to LA to meet, like we spent like a week meeting different producers and um, we ended up just like kind of demoing out a song with him and, and just we had all just never felt so at ease and he seemed to just really, really understand. He had actually reached out about us because he had, he had caught us randomly at a house show in LA the year before. So he was, he wanted to make the record already, which was a cool feeling. And then over the year or so of trying to figure out how to pay for it, I was probably on the phone with him once a week at least and we just became really good friends and he we were sending all our demos over to him so he was kind of already involved in the record well before we actually made it so we we just got really close with him and he he ended up over that time moving into barefoot studios in hollywood which is just this absolutely legendary room um like they made like taking back sunday louder now there um no doubt tragic kingdom this first third eye blind record all these like insane hit records so just like over the just the fact that he ended up moving in there later on and we didn't end up getting to record with him until after he had moved in was just kind of like an extra cool thing that we got to record at his new spot not his old spot you know but yeah it just it kind of felt like everything was how do i put this i guess just having Mike through that process of figuring out like how the hell are we going to pay for a record was was so nice to have and it kind of felt like he was like fighting for it with us I don't know some people say well if you loved it so much why didn't you do it for free but um it's you know <laughs> renting space at a studio like that is not cheap and he has great credits and he's his time is worth money so <laughs> you know it's his job but yeah so like I I guess, yeah, between him and Rude, it just kind of feels like we're kind of like, we have these extensions of the band now that are going to be around. Like, I definitely see us going back to him for the next record. Oh, it's awesome to hear, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I always kind of like to wrap up the same way, which is um, by asking for, you know, something you've been thinking about, a piece of advice, you know, kind of whatever you kind of want to get out of your mind, out of your chest that you think might you know, help someone listening, whether it's about music or life in general, or just kind of whatever you're feeling. <laughs> I mean, I guess what I've really been trying to focus on is, is kind of what a lot of the record it's about is just like really just 
taking in those moments that like make everything worth living. And it's, it's really hard right now because, you know, so many people I'm sure that listen to our band as well as people that make music in our scene, just being in that, being around live music is such a freeing thing for so many people and we don't have it right now, but um, it's just, just as important to just continue to reach out and connect with people in other ways because being alone in your house and not talking to anyone, at least for me, does does not work. And I've definitely found myself really depressed a lot a lot of the time. But looking back, like there are some there are some good things about this fucked up year. And that was my conversation with Sundressed. Home Remedy is such a well written and produced album, so please give it a spin when you have the chance. They're one of the bands whose name I've seen around for years, but never really checked out for whatever reason. So it's been really cool to connect to this record and explore their back catalog. Be sure to show Sundress some love in whatever way you can, because that's something every band could use right now. Flying the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Cameron West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. I dropped my ballot off this weekend. If you're eligible, please be sure to stay informed and get out and vote. Make a habit of it. Don't just do it once every four years. You can make a difference. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.